0: Hey, this is Jay Worth, your host for Green Industry Perspectives. I just wanted to give you a quick note before we start this episode. We're fully aware there's no shortage of software companies out there, and we're not the only one specializing in green industry software. One thing that sets Single Ops apart is our track record of delivering top-notch resources tailored specifically for you and your business. We've been hosting this podcast for years, offering insights and expertise from the best minds in the business. We've been crafting comprehensive guides packed with green industry business best practices for years, and we've been churning out blog content on how to boost your business, streamline services, and exceed your customers' expectations long before our competitors started doing it for clicks. In a world of options, Single Ops has always been your dependable source with a history of supporting you and your success. To access these free resources, head to singleops.com and check out the resources tab. And remember, we were here to help first. You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives, presented by Single Ops. I'm Jay Worth. Really excited to have somebody that um, I, I know relatively well professionally on the show. She's always uh, tr- brings tremendous insights. Whether you follow her on LinkedIn um, or you talk to her in person, uh, I've got Carla Paula Castro on the show with me today. Carla, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Carla, you, and I'll let you talk about this in a minute, but you actually run an accounting firm, financial uh, CFO services for landscape companies. So we wanted to do an episode today. It's going to help people with things like, um, their job costing and their profitability. So based on your experience, working with, uh, green companies kind of, uh, all over the country, what are the top three common threads you see in successful green companies as it relates to that job costing and, uh, you know, profitability?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think job costing is so important for for businesses especially um you know when you're first starting out of course, but even as you grow. And I think you know what we've seen is that I guess first starting off is like accurate accounting um allows companies to have like the data that they need uh for their for pricing their jobs accurately, and just to ensure that they're accounting for all of the expenses that are running through the company as well, and so we we take on a lot of accounting work, and there's a lot of cleanup work involved because a lot of the time the books are not quite uh, cleaned up and caught up and stuff like that. So I think that's the first thing um, is just make sure that that your books are kept up with at least on a monthly basis. And um, accurate accounting, too, because um, you may hire someone um, that may know QuickBooks online and stuff like that, but they may not be like a qualified accountant or bookkeeper and, uh, you know, may not be like doing the accounting work accurately at the same time. So you won't have an accurate profit and loss balance sheet and cash flow, which we've seen Um And and so that could cause problems. But yeah, so that would be the first thing. And then um, I guess the second thing is just making sure that um, you're recouping all of your overhead costs. Um, We see that a lot of the Mm. time being missed in job costing. Um, I think that um, with overhead, it's it's kind of like, you know, the indirect costs, things like advertising, marketing, office salaries, stuff like that. And um, there are items within that and we can dig deeper into it in a little bit, but that, that could go missing because of inaccurate accounting too. Um, But we can get back to that. And then uh, the last thing is that you're, you need buy-in from your operations and administrative team, right? Mm. They need to be on board because the whole company has to work on this job costing and have like a piece of it and be accountable to it. Um, because if your administrative team is not on board, for example, then they may not be making sure that they're like, the hours are being tracked for the employees, or maybe they're not making sure that they uh, collect all the receipts for the day, stuff like that. So buy-in on both ends is important
0: yeah, I love these answers. Um, I think this is gonna be a really valuable episode for anyone that listens to it. I'm really excited to dive in. Um, Carl, let's back up for just a minute though. Um, for people who maybe aren't familiar with you aren't familiar with Cycle CPA, can you give us uh, a little bit of background about how you got into working with uh, with finances and with landscapers specifically uh, or green industry companies rather specifically? And um, you know what it is that uh, you guys offer today. Tell us a little bit about Cycle as a company. Cycle CPA as a company.
1: Yeah, so I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders here at Cycle CPA, and we do anything from bookkeeping all the way to CFO level work. And we just specialize within the green industry. We work with over 250 uh, green industry businesses as of today, um, all throughout the country, and. I got into it because um, when I started off my career, I started off at a local accounting firm, you know, like the mom and pop shops, you know, they do your taxes and stuff like that. Um, And because of the demographic that I was in, there were a lot of landscapers and construction workers that would visit our shop. And so, but I worked with like anybody under the sun. So I would like help a baker and then I would help a manufacturer and stuff like that. So um I didn't really like have all of the tools necessary to help landscapers at the time but I like grew an attachment to landscapers because they would come in often like and just ask me questions about their profit and loss balance sheet job costing estimating and at the time I did what I could to help them but like I said I I wasn't specialized just in that industry and, and all that. So I always knew in the back of my head, like there's a need here. Plus I, I, I love working with these type of people. They're hard workers. They just want to know about their numbers. And, um, but yeah, so after that, I worked at one of the largest accounting firms and did some audit for fortune 500 companies and, you know, branched out on my own. And I, like I said, I knew I wanted to focus on this industry and I'm happy I did because Um, it's good people to work with, like I said,
0: so. Absolutely. I think a lot of us can kind of relate to that. Um, just like I fell in love with the people that I work with in the industry, right?
1: Yeah. It's a great community.
0: Absolutely. I think it's the best in the world. Um, all right, let's dive into these topics. I want to make sure that people that are listening to this, um, have a walk away from this with a better sense of what they need to do to track their costs and make sure they're uh, profitable on each job that they sell. You talked about accurate accounting. Um, What a novel idea, right? Like, (laughs) let's keep track of things accurately. Um, Let's start at a really, really basic level. Uh, What sort of data, what should companies be tracking? What things should they be looking at?
1: Yeah, so you have to have an accounting system right so you may have a, your CRM like single ops and then you have your accounting system like quickbooks online zero where you will have to make first make sure that your you have all your bank accounts linked to that accounting system so checking savings credit cards anywhere where you're spending business expenses should be linked to that uh, uh, QuickBooks account because yeah. all the expenses that you're spending on the business should be run through that accounting system. Um, so, and I've had numerous occasions where, like, I would go into somebody's QuickBooks and they're like, "No, I'm missing my credit card. Like, my accountant never put it on there." It's like, "No, you're missing a ton of expenses." And so, you know that that would be the first thing. And and um, and. Once you have those in there, then you can make sure that all of those expenses are being recorded accurately. So your cost of goods sold expenses. So those are your direct costs, right? So salaries and wages, right? Payroll for, for your field laborers. Um, A lot of the time that's not being recorded correctly because those require journal entries. I'm not going to bore you too much with it, Jay, but Payroll requires journal entries. It's not just an expense that you could record in, on on QuickBooks or anything like that. It, it requires journal entries because you need to split up your salaries and wages, but you also pay payroll taxes, right, on, on those salaries and wages. And so that's what the journal entry does. It bifurcates those kinds of um, taxes. And if you have a 401k match, stuff like that, those items just don't come through the bank account like that right like you're not going to see it um so
0: right
1: in uh, lame accounting terms that's what we require for those kinds of expenses and that's usually not done so that's one of the things i would work out look out for material costs of course equipment rental workers comp and other job related costs so that's your direct costs your cost of goods sold and then your indirect costs like advertising and marketing office salaries um and utilities items like that, Um, one of the biggest things that are missed in in like the overhead cost is interest expense. So a lot of these people have like loans, you know, through Sheffield, Ford, right, you go out, you get a loan. um, And normally interest is associated with it. Um, Because when you pay on a monthly basis, you're paying your principal and interest, right? Um, So you may have like a $500 payment but three hundred of it is going to principal, and two hundred is is interest. And a lot of people don't know that that two hundred dollars each month that you're paying is tax deductible. You can um, expense it in in your interest costs. So and that's not being done, Jay, unless somebody's going in there with, again, a journal entry or splitting up that cost and reconciling your loans each month, right? Mm. Reconciling loans means that you're matching your loan statement to your quickbooks and then you're entering in interest expense. So that's one of the biggest things that we don't see that's being done. And if you don't have that in there, then you're not recouping all your cost for job costing, right?
0: Yeah, so. absolutely. Now, they should, so you need to what I'm hearing you say is like you need a clean separation between um, like all the different buckets that things that your your financials should be going into. Is that fair right. to say like, here's the stuff that's directly associated with this job. Here's your indirect costs, et cetera. And then even inside of that, getting a little bit more granular, is that fair?
1: Yes. And you do that through your chart of accounts. So the chart of accounts are the buckets that you're going to classify everything into. And um, so like like you said, you if you go and get fuel today, you know that goes into fuel expense, that's part of your chart of accounts. But we recommend using green industry specific chart of
0: accounts so now once a company has begun to collect this data and they've got it what what do they do with it <laughs> how does <is> that applied <laughs> to to job costing and then also to to your pricing models right because those two kind of uh you know hand oh, in glove yeah. they go together
1: yeah well that's that's a good um that's a good question so, once you have all this data, right, you're gonna allocate it to a specific cl- customer or client, right? So you went and you got materials, and you're gonna apply that to john smith, right you you right. did their their patio, whatever it is um, stuff like that, and then you have to the direct costs are easy to allocate because you know that this this piece of material you can allocate it to John and and um, this equipment rental, you got it for, for his property as well. Mm-hmm. Those are, you could directly trace back to a job. But then um, what's not easy to allocate to a specific job is the overhead costs.
0: So we'll say, okay,
1: so now you have all the data for your overhead costs, your indirect costs. Now you need to allocate that to the specific mm-hmm. jobs.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's probably, um, is that tricky? How to How would... What do people need to know about um, how to account for those overhead costs when they're pricing and bidding a job?
1: Yeah, it is It is kind of tricky. Um, but I think once you have a system down, then it's pretty easy. Um, I think it just depends on like uh, the type of CRM you're using. So um, like single ops, you, know, you may have different types of ways you're gonna allocate overhead costs. Like you can allocate overhead costs per hour, right? By by the amount of hours. So field labor hours. So you you take your total overhead costs and then you divide it by the amount of hours and then it gives you a per hour rate. So if you were yes. on a, if you were on a job, let's say it was $200 per hour. Uh, You were on a job that you needed to recoup your overhead costs. Well, that's a little bit high. Let's say it was like $30 an hour. <laughs> um, Per per job that you needed to allocate the overhead cost, and you are on a job that you needed you spent five hours, then it would be like 30 times five is what you would allocate for overhead to that job. So you could do it mm-hmm. on a per hour basis. That's that's what we would recommend. And you could also do it as a percentage too. Those are the two top ones. Um, but there are other overhead recovery systems like that you could use. It just depends on your CRM too.
0: So once you've got your hourly like overhead rate, right? You know, right. to your point, you know, you need $30 an hour just to cover my costs to recoup my costs. You just tack that onto whatever you would have charged the customer for your, for your per hour rate, essentially. Uh, and then give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. All right. I remember you saying that before, maybe I read it, you posted it on LinkedIn, giving yourself like a three to 5% buffer in case the job runs over or costs um, are higher um. than expected on the materials or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You always need like a buffer because like life is unpredictable, right? We all we all know that things happen. Like your employee may call out sick, it may take a little bit more time to do this job. Um, You know, you may prices may have gone up, whatever the case may be. You always need that three to five percent buffer in there um, to account for those things for sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's going to be rare where you're like exact, you know, exactly right. at the amount that you need to be at. So.
0: Yeah. So, um, and you don't have to name any names for this question. I'm going to ask you a question though. If a company drops <laughs> the ball with this, what what are the consequences for not properly accounting, not tracking all of your expenses, like in concrete terms, what are the business results that will, that will follow, for a business that fails to do this.
1: Yeah, so businesses end up uh the first thing is like you have cash flow issues um because you're not recouping the amount of costs. And so when that happens, you're going to be asking yourself like where is my money going? Like you know, um and and that's not a fun feeling, right? So it's it's having cash flow issues um having trouble with employee retention because, mm. you know, maybe, maybe you're, you're putting too much on them or, um, not the pro not the proper amount of like hours are being allocated to certain jobs or training, stuff like that. Um, and, and, you know, eventually that, that does definitely wears down on a business owner for sure. I think
0: Absolutely. that the
1: health of the business is not there. Um, profitability suffers, um, because of it. Um, but, you know, I've seen cases where, where that has happened and, um, you know, I think the first step is like, okay, you know, I know I did this and and it wasn't done correctly. Like, let me just get my accounting work, um, where it needs to be. And then at least you have, you know, the truth at that point, you're like, okay, I'm at a loss of maybe I'm negative 15%. Okay. How do I turn this around? Right. So I think that's really where we guide people. It's like, okay, let's just get all of this stuff reorganized. And then that way you have that insight. And at least now you know, oh, okay, I'm I'm spending way too much on field labor costs or materials. I need to right. look at that again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because um we hear a lot of companies uh, in our industry here talk about staffing issues, right? Like I can't find good people. I can't keep good people. Um, and a lot of people, myself included, have pointed to um, company culture, have pointed to a career ladder, have pointed to some of these other things that you can do. Um, and I just think it's a tremendous insight that like maybe you should be looking at your books, right? Like yeah. maybe your cash flow problem is causing a morale problem with your staff. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, you know, it could be part of why, you know, you're having turnover.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because like, job posting is, it, it's so data driven, which I like as an accountant, it's like, it tells you the truth numbers don't lie. Like, and as, and it's, it's kind of easier sometimes not to see the numbers because then you're like, okay, I'm I'm going to be oblivious to the problems and stuff like that. But once you see it, And you have that insight, it's like, oh no, like I really need to work on my training for this specific job because it's taking us like over 20 hours to complete it. So only should take us half of that amount, you know? And and then you're like, okay, I need to create more training for this. I need to budget more for that and stuff like that. And then your your employees feel like, okay, like I'm getting this training and development, and we're really working on this stuff as a team. And you know, they feel part of, of, of that change too. So it could be a positive thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When your cash flow is in good place, um, you have time to dedicate to training and development and um, career ladders and even company culture things, you know, fun things that you want to do as a team. Um, on the flip side of that, when that's a problem, not only are you not training, right? But morale probably stinks because you as the owner or you the CEO um, are stressed out and that trickles down. People do notice that they feel that from you as a leader. So um, that's a tremendous insight, Carla. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, do you have any examples, again, good or bad, where you have like, you have seen, you know, a good turnaround, or you've seen someone that just persisted in kind of like ignoring this, despite some warnings. And, um, you know, you can think of like, oh yeah, you know, this, this turned out for good, this turned out for bad, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, um, that you can share just so people have like a visual of like, oh yeah, that might be my company right now. And they have some, some, um, something they can kind of like put themselves in that space.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. Um, definitely I, I, I do, you know, there was this one, um, business owner who, you know, wasn't, wasn't doing any, um, first of all, they didn't have like accounting work, you know, done um, or caught up. And so we went ahead and did that for for them. And we saw that their numbers were, because we benchmark numbers, you know, to industry average to kind of see, okay, where you're at and kind of how far off or how close you are with all right. of these items. And they were just far off on, on a lot of the things. They were in the red. And when so many things are in the red, we, we always say, okay, like we need to get job costing in place because there's something, you know, within your pricing and estimating that's off. Um, and so, so by seeing that it encouraged them to, okay, like let's, let's, let's implement our CRM that can help us with these job costing and stuff like that. And um, at first, it's just not easy because job costing takes time. Like it took time with them. It's not, a, I'm going to implement it today, tomorrow. Uh, there's going to be a turn, like a 360, you know, turnaround or it's, it does take a few months. Um, and I would say even a whole year to kind of see um, all the results uh, or a whole season. Um, but like I would say the first thing that they struggled with, and I remember is like, getting their employees to like buy into the fact that they're doing job costing right now. And like, they would not <laughs> clock in their time. It was like so hard for them to clock in their time, you know, to each job. And, um, and, and that's something that we see often. But we were like, okay, so how, how can we hold them accountable? It's like, okay, now it's like telling them the importance of why we need to clock in. It's because, you know, this is our goals for the company. This is how it's beneficial to you, because people need to hear why it's beneficial to them that they clock in their time and stuff like that. Um, So that that did help out. Um, and then when somebody was just like not clocking in their time consistently, like they would do that I recommended, you know, do a warning, you know, or verbal warning up front and stuff like that, because now this is part of your role. So we did that and kind of other people got sight of that. And it was not like a negative thing, because we were trying to make it more of like a positive thing that we're doing this job costing and like the possibilities of, of it for the future and all of the fun stuff they'd be able to do um, with with the employees and stuff like that. So that helped out a ton. It's like keeping the employees accountable, but with a positive mindset. And then like, of course, if there's like those one or two people who are not going to follow the rules, like, all right, like time for a warning, stuff like that. So that worked. Um, And so a few, a few um, months later they were able to kind of see like the specific, I think there were like um, maybe four or five specific types of jobs that they did um, that they were far off on, like, estimating their job, their, their hours and their materials on it. And that's, that's really where they kind of found um, that they needed help. So, you know, they identified those jobs, and they were able to kind of work through it where, you know, in the future, they were able to kind of, um, you know, now allocate the appropriate resources, time and, and materials that they needed and. And they were really able to turn it around, but again, it, it it didn't. It wasn't like an overnight thing where they were able to establish these patterns, and it took a lot of data <laughs> to get there. And like I said, buy in from the operations and administrative team, but slowly and surely, we were we were able to see their profit and loss kind of, um, you know, in their their profit increase based upon that. So it was it was a really nice thing to kind of see them turn it around. And as an accountant, I can follow their journey on the number side, but it's not, like I said, it wasn't like an easy overnight
0: thing. And those numbers don't lie. So
1: yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay. You mentioned, and we've talked about it a little bit here um, already, but recouping overhead costs, you said that's something that people overlook all the time. Um, I love this answer. And it's something that truthfully I hadn't even like wasn't totally on my radar. It was kind of like at the peripheral, but wasn't like a fully formed thought until you and I actually collaborated on an article about job costing. And it has like transformed like- the way I talk about, <laughs> um, you know, bidding and pricing with people. Is it fair, um, to say that like, when you're talking about accounting, you, you really have to account for everything, but there's, there's a different level of, um, how do I want to phrase this? Like you really have to to pay very deliberate attention like the direct costs are easier because you know Mrs. Jones had three flats of petunias and 8 yards of mulch and what like those are easier because you got a receipt that you know was right. intended for that job whereas you know your rent and your internet um are, are just kind of fixed <laughs> like they just so you you overlook those things is that is that what you see happening most often
1: yeah yeah i i do see that happening because because like I said, people don't have like their accounting set up correctly. So and their chart of accounts set up correctly where like they have their overhead and direct costs split out into two different sections on their PL. So that's the first thing. Like you need your cost of goods sold and your indirect. And then even if they do have that, then they they may not have like proper proper accounting in going into place like their accounts may not be reconciled so Mm. what we see is like like they were maybe if if their bookkeeping was not being reconciled or their accounts are not being reconciled then there are like duplicate transactions which overstate your overhead costs so maybe that you're charging too much for overhead or like you're Mm. understating your expenses so you may be charging too little for overhead um reconciliation is an important process it's like you have to do that every month with your accounting work. Um, and basically what you're doing is just making sure that your bank statement mirrors your QuickBooks online. And um, then like those ex- those types of expenses, Jay, like, um, for example, the ones that I see that are not being recorded properly, like office salaries. So let's say like you yes. have... Um, an office administrator working on your team, or you have like a manager or salesperson, their salaries are, sometimes I see them being recorded as field labor salaries. Um, They're not
0: producing any billable.
1: Right. And it's like, oh man. And, And then this person believes that they're spending too much on field labor. It's like, oh no, like the accounting work is just being done incorrectly. Like it's not being accounted under the overhead cost so we like to we we always split it up like when we do the monthly accounting work we're like okay these three people their salary goes in overhead so we do that via a payroll journal entry again not to get too technical but that's something that needs to be done like manually it's not something that automatically happens so right if you don't have like a good accountant or bookkeeper if you don't know what you're doing that's going to be missed. Um. And then, like I said, that could lead to you not recouping all your overhead costs and then the interest. And then also depreciation is a big one, Jay. Like, you yeah. are not booking your depreciation each month. That That's was one of the questions too.
0: I had. I was like, people are not accounting for the depreciation on their equipment in all likelihood.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. They're really not. And um, the people who are, like, we see them... Booking it on like a tax basis, which is like, I'm not going to bore you to death, but it's like totally different than book depreciation because tax, your your tax accountant is doing what they can to lower your tax liability. So let's say you you purchased a $40,000 truck and they want to depreciate that all in one year, they're going to put 40000 mm. on your books but that's not how you use that truck. But you didn't use the whole 40,000 in one year. You used maybe you're going to have that truck for 5 years, so you need to book it against uh 5. Yeah. So you know what I mean like it's so that yeah. would be what 8,000 a year. So yeah. so the depreciation should have been 8. They're booking 40 you're thinking the overhead cost has to include 40000 when it doesn't, it has to only include 8000 because it should be booked on a dep- uh, book depreciation, not tax. Um, so we, we put it on a book depreciation, but to be honest with you, like 99% of, of the people before we took their books over never had that on their books. So wow. that's definitely something that I know it's missing. And you have all this machinery, trucks, equipment that you have to have and you need to be recouping for that expense right so
0: yeah absolutely now um here's one and i don't want to get super technical but here's one that i think trips a lot of people up to fuel yeah because it's like how do you account for the the drive to and from when you've got a full tank of gas how do you account for the Mm -hmm. eight hours you're in these two chainsaws how do you What's your What's your recommendation? Is there Does that vary by business or is there like a rule that you like to follow?
1: It's, yeah, fuel is controversial in that way. We don't like
0: fuel. <laughs> fuel is controversial. I love it.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it, I think it varies by business. And I think the larger you are, the easier it becomes. Like,
0: Okay. To,
1: to, because you may have like a fuel tank on site and you may be able to account for different uh types of fuel and and stuff like that um so you maybe have more flexibility but I think like if if you don't have that insight and it's not worth the time to be tracking it that way like that granular Mm. because it's just like who has that resource you know I think Right, Just having it in overhead is fine, you know, and and just do it as an overall, like you're going to recoup fuel, you know, Um, because again, if you get too, too granular, I mean, you're already trying to drop costs, collect all these receipts and everything. I mean, trying to get too granular with, and it's not just fuel, it could be with anything, could be actually more detrimental than it is beneficial.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um, Are there ways... That a business can reduce their overhead costs. What have you seen anything that worked really well in your experience working with green industry companies? You know, are there ways that they can they can cut back on some of these things?
1: Yeah. So the first one is like, like I said, we benchmark numbers. So it's something that's like continually high in the green industries, like overhead salaries, it kills them. Like they're always coming in a little bit higher than where they need to be. And I think it's because, like, contractors are good at creating beautiful landscapes and working with their hands being out there and, like, streamlining those processes for field laborers. But then, like, never really spent time streamlining processes in the office because that's not something that they enjoy, which we we understand. So, like, anytime somebody has, like, oh, you know, this phone calls are getting overwhelming or... Invoicing is getting overwhelming. The first solution you go to is like, let's just get another body in here to do invoicing. Let's get another mm. body in here to do calls, you know? And, you know, that's not really like the best way to go about that. Um, yeah. You want to streamline things before you get a body in there to, to do all of these administrative costs, uh, administrative items. So I think leveraging technology and and just making sure that you're streamlining all office administrative processes before you get somebody in um could put you way ahead of the game in this industry. Um and again, if maybe that's not something that you enjoy like doing, you know, a lot of people get their their wife or you know their spouse <laughs> involved and maybe they can help first before you get somebody in there but I think yeah. it's like one of those things that that needs to be talked about more Jay because it's it's one of the biggest expenses that we see kind of going overboard with with on the p on that item but
0: yeah um, I can see that
1: yeah so that one and then leveraging technology, stuff like that to reduce that cost. But uh, little things like, I think that um, sometimes when, when you get insurance, you know, for, for certain things, it's like, sometimes the insurance companies may be over, you know, kind of offering you too many services and stuff like that, that you yeah. have purchased because you're like, you know first time business owner whatever you think you need all of these things and i would just say like revisit your policy and like kind of shop for that each each year whenever that's coming up um i've seen a lot of people save money on that especially with workers comp too like workers comp is a big one because if if whoever did work on your workers comp policy didn't understand like hardscape versus maintenance like that's a huge deal you know, or irrigation yeah. versus hardscape. So, um, because these rates are very, and so I've seen a lot where it's like we could lower pricing on that end. Um, I would say like getting creative too. Um, with certain things like rent and stuff, it's like, you know, before you you move into that office space or or something like that, think about other maybe um, office sharing, you know, share with others, um, before maybe you're ready to, to take on that cost or rent, you know, a yard or whatever it is. Um, I think people just have like this one, uh, idea of what renting means or what it could mean, but I've seen a lot of people get, um, creative with it and and saving a lot of money, um, with that. Um, I think um a lot of these different items on the PL, um, you can get creative with. I think, you know, when I read this this book one time and it was like, you know, for, for business owners, it was like, you know, just if if you think you need to like subscribe to something new or, or buy another thing, it's like just live with it for another, you know, month or so. And if you feel that you still need it, then go out and get it or else yeah you know, or and if you feel that you really need it, just try to be creative in in ways that you could kind of cut costs on it, and it could' be applied to anything. So I think that's some really good advice too,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know you're talking about insurance costs. Just want to give a plug to my friend Will Allen, who runs a green industry captive. yes, right? Like <laughs> go look into a green into will's green industry captive. if you go if you run a really safe company, It will save you money. You'll get money back. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my only plug. So, Will, (laughs) you're welcome. You can pay me for that later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) You said job costing requires buy in from the operations, the administrative team, from everybody. And I love this answer because I think if you're going to be successful in business, you really have to set the direction and the vision as the leader and get everybody running in the same direction. Why is buy-in vital to success specifically here in this area of the business?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. um it's it's because all the administrative and the operations team you you require their input and and their hard work to be able to make the job costing happen, right? because if you don't have um, If you don't have both of those people working together, then you're not going to have what you need, your end product, which is the job cost report. And so, buying is extremely important. And like I said, people need to know okay, what's in it for me right at the end of this? And why are we doing this as a company? So, if you have a positive message as the leader of that company and why we're going to start to do this, and how is it going to be beneficial to them we you know we're we're looking to take the company in this direction we're going to grow this much and that means the opportunities are going to open and promotions are going to happen and we're going to have a company retreat and you know you could get them excited about that and 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 um also how does it benefit their the clients right it's going to benefit the clients because now they're going to get a fair price we're not going to just guess and we're looking out for them and we're going to create these beautiful landscapes it's like that all sounds positive to the client to you're taking care of the employees and then all of that comes together and people could work with each other on a goal cuz as i i believe as human beings we all want to work towards a goal and get there and um if you can deliver that message in that way then it will just be make your job so much easier um, to get this initiative passed and, and be able to have this run successfully.
0: Yeah, and I think you've already touched on it a little bit, but that was going to be my, my follow-up here as we're wrapping up the show in just a few minutes. But how does an owner or a CEO go around, uh, excuse me, go about getting, obtaining buy-in from the team? Um, mm-hmm. are there any strategies that you've seen work really well? You know, I've heard people on the show here and other business owners I've talked to, um, off here, you are talking about open book management, um, profit sharing incentives, things like that. Um, other ideas, I don't, I don't know, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just making it a job requirement. I don't know how to, how do, how do you go about anything you've seen that works well, uh, for an owner that's trying to turn the ship around and they, they go about, they've implemented something that really encouraged buy-in from the team.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think first making it a positive um, message and and just making sure that when you deliver this message, it's it's in a meeting, so it's you're in a professional setting. It's not just something that you're just gonna say off and it's casual kind of a thing, right? So you make it like a company wide, um, you know, meeting or whatever it is. But I think one of the things that could One of the things that we've seen that works, it's like when you establish something like this, um, if you don't have like a bonus program, you could do it um, in coordination with that. So you could do it together that I've seen that works. I I know a few companies that did that where they they were like, okay, we're going to do job costing. We're going to have bonuses. We're going to have additional paid time off, whatever it is so that way it's not like you're just asking for stuff but it's like also okay we're going to give we're we're establishing these other other initiatives where you're going to get more too so if you don't have a bonus program let's say like if if you release that with the job costing initiative it's a good thing um and it could be i think so this i think like doing a quarterly bonus um to start off or even biannual a great idea um just to be conservative is is good like I think you definitely need more than once a year so I, I would say like biannual to start off with or even quarterly is a good thing and and I've seen that work really well because what you could do is like as part of the bonus like there's um you have to have a balanced scorecard right for each employee so let's say that their bonus relies on them being on time right um the quality of their work their ability to track time for job costing right that could be one of their um you know yeah things on on their bonus so when when we did this it's like okay if they meet these five things and and then we can make it part of the job costing then all of a sudden you have everybody doing what they need to do because they all want their quarterly bonus um and so that's that's worked out really good. Yeah.
0: That's a tremendous insight. I think that's going to help a lot of people like um, let's create an incentive for people, not just, Hey, do this because um, but something that they can, you know, get their hands around um, on a regular basis. They've got a, you know, um, a goal that they're striving for and they're going to see how implementing this benefits them. I I love that idea. I think it's a really good idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be like a huge bonus either. It's like when when right. we first did this with one of our clients, he was like, "Oh no, like I don't have that much money. Like I'm having cash flow issues. Like how am I going to do this?" and stuff like that. And I'm like, "Listen, because we're doing this, you're going to have more cash flow yep. because you're going to be solving these issues." So and we're doing it biannually, so it's going to be a, it's going to be um deferred Right, so you're gonna see the benefits first, then you're gonna pay them, right? So you don't want to just pay them yes. and then see the benefits later, because then that's gonna cause more right. cash flow issues. But it could, you, it could be, it could start off with like something small, like a two hundred dollar gift card. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge like thousand dollar bonus or anything crazy like that. You know, um, I would, I always say start off conservatively first,
0: and don't underestimate. In my opinion, don't underestimate, especially in our industry the value of PTO, like make it a day of PTO. You get an extra day off. Like for people that like to spend time outside or they're, you know, got families that are busy or things like that, that extra time away is, is huge. Mm -hmm. And you're, you were going to pay them to be at work anyway, right? Like you're paying whatever (laughs) you were going to pay them. They see it as a huge win. Um, it's not, um, you know something that you were were planning on above and beyond your payroll. Um, so I would just say, you know, think about that, consider that pretty carefully, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, is there
0: great. is there anything that you want? Like last word here as we're wrapping up the show. Um, it, yeah one one thing to leave people with, and I think I know where you're going to go for this based on our conversation. But if there's <laughs> one thing people take away from this conversation, what do you want them to keep in mind? to ensure their profitability through job costing? What's the, like the key takeaway?
1: Accurate accounting work, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, have accurate accounting work because of all of the things that we stated during this uh, podcast. It's like, that's going to get you the insight that you need and the clarity. And then you can go from there, even if it's something that you don't like very much, you know, but you're going to know, okay, these are the three items I need to focus in on. If you don't have that, then you're just going to fly line. So,
0: right. Yeah. that's where I thought you were going to go with it. And I'm glad I was right. Uh, <laughs> I should have called my shot, but, uh, but it's okay. I just, you have to trust <laughs> me that that's where I thought you were going with this. Uh, carla, if, if people want to contact you, um, they're interested in your services, they want to ask follow-up questions, or they just want to learn more about Cycle CPA, how would they go about reaching you?
1: Yeah, we have a Facebook group called Landscaping Accountant. We post on there daily and and stuff like that. So if you want to join that Facebook group and um, shoot us a message through through Facebook, that that would be great. Um, or else you could just email me at carla p at cyclecpa.com
0: carla that's great i'll put a put both those links in the show notes thank you so much for making the time today really appreciate it
1: thank you for having me this was a lot of fun
0: absolutely